Hello and welcome to the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host Lee. Hello. How are you doing, Lee? Birthday Criterion Quest. We have, we have, we're officially 300. We're officially 300 films old. <laughs> yeah. My blow, blow, blow doesn't work. Blow, 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 it doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I blew too hard. Oi. Getting it right out there. So, yes, we are, this episode we are tackling spine number 300. <laughs> That's not how you do a whistle. Oh, I'm doing it wrong. Hang on. <laughs> so Lee brought whistles for us, um, but yeah, how are you going? Oh, I'm just, um, I'm just jazzy. I'm just excited for our birthday. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it hasn't been too long. Like we recorded our last episode just the other day, so yes. I'm guessing you haven't, you haven't seen much. You haven't been digesting oh. many films or um, TV or anything. Oh, you put me on the albums, spot. anything. Yeah. Th- oh, this is the usual preamble. Is we'll get to preamble? our guests in a minute. Yes, I know. I don't <laughs> They're know. sitting There's... here waiting. Feel free to chime in. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chris? What have you seen? Uh, I saw Scream 5 again. And you subjected your wife to Scream 5, I believe. See, I think subjecting is the wrong word because I put it on and she chose to stay. <laughs> that, that is, is the that's ultimate, on her. <laughs> that's the ultimate compliment. When it comes to Claire, if she's not interested, she's out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Claire, you decided to sit and watch Scream 5. Yeah, I don't know what came over me. I did um, <laughs> grab you with my fingers and my toes at various yes, points yes. because I, I was toes. very scared. Yeah, mm. I was like digging in with my toes. To which, like, and, ah. and, every, and I very condescendingly, every time you do that, I'd be like, it's a scream movie. It's funny. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then uh, to but quote. But I had nightmares. Yeah, to quote you this morning, you're like, that movie upset me. I <laughs> had nightmares. I can't describe those nightmares, but yeah. Anyway, I think so that's a thumbs up from Claire on Scream Five. <laughs> it is, it is. Even if she's like meh, it's like no, she stuck around. Yeah, and I mean, I will say it holds the hell up on a rewatch. It is uh, super enjoyable and super fun. <laughs> I think before we go any further, we must introduce who we are here with tonight. Yes. Yeah, so uh, as you've just heard, uh, joining us tonight is the wonderful Claire. Hello. And we're joined again by another old-time guest. It's been a while since you've been on an actual Criterion Quest yeah. episode. You've been on a few commentaries over on the Patreon for us. I have, yes. So, I'm Eric. <laughs> I was getting to it. I was building up some pomp were, and circumstance. I appreciate the build-up. No, yes. I'm, I thought about it. I think my last Criterion Quest was Solaris. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, the actual Criterion Quest podcast is uh, ages ago the last yeah one i, I, I want to say that's like 240 something something like that it was yeah it was a long time ago mm. um there have been yeah there have been a few commentaries along the way yeah but our listeners might also know eric uh we did the podcast series for a little while uh, that you haven't seen that limited run limited run <laughs> <laughs> but we did uh we did have quite a few fans people enjoyed that one so yeah yeah and i've um, rewatched a lot of those movies since any of them hold up <laughs> 
Oh, I mean, like, so much so that I've now watched four of the Diehards. Oh. Wow. They get I mean, yeah, progressively no. worse. Yeah. <laughs> See, okay, I wanted to debate this one with you because I actually like Die Hard 3 do, better than do, number yeah. 2. Um, I think it's more that just number 2 surprised me perhaps a little bit. I put, yeah. They're probably pretty equal in my eye. Yeah, when you yeah. see it's a Rennie Harlan film from, like, yeah, from the director of uh, Cliffhanger and things, you're just yeah. like, yeah, okay, I'm, expectations are not that high. I think I just was surprised how many live stunts there were. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And plus William Sadler, like when you get your villain opening doing naked Tai Chi in a hotel room, you're like, I'm you know, in. No, you're in for a treat. Yeah. 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 Uh, but enough. Uh, speaking of naked Tai Chi, we should probably get into this week's film. <laughs> How is that a segue? Wow. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm attempting. It seems yeah. like something. It seems like, yeah, we've got the topless yeah. uh, Anne-Marie, this, uh, the topless script girl. Like, we've got a few elements. Yeah. But our uh, film this week is spine number 300. Woo-hoo. The... L- Sorry, okay. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, uh, directed by Wes Anderson. Yes, give me a synopsis, Chris. Where did I put the Oh, you've lost it. There it is. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Internationally famous oceanographer Steve Zissou and his crew, Team Zissou, set sail on an expedition to hunt down the mysterious, elusive, possibly non-existent jaguar shark, that, kill, that killed Zizu's partner during the documentary filming of their latest adventure. Wow, that's a run-on sentence. <laughs> they are joined on their voyage by a young airline co-pilot who may or may not be Zizu's son, a beautiful journalist assigned to write a profile of Zizu and the estranged wife and co and his estranged wife and co-producer Eleanor. They they face overwhelming complications, including pirates, kidnapping, and bankruptcy. Oscar-nominated writer-director Wes Anderson, the Royal Tenenbaums, uh, has assembled an all-star cast that includes Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum, Michael Gambon, Noah Taylor, and Bud Court for this widely original adventure comedy. Widely original. Yep. That is 100%. one of the longest yeah. synopsis we've had in a synopsis we've had in a while. But yes, I'm just going to jump in and say how much I appreciate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, being in the Criterion Quest, yep. this is one of the rare occasions where I've seen the film before. <laughs> <laughs> Fair yet, enough. Yet, yes. does it help me? I don't know. It's really? interesting because we've had this discussion many times before. I, I'm i not going to say I'm not a Wes Anderson fan, but I'm going to say I'm not a Wes Anderson fan. Like, yeah. it's he doesn't, he does, just doesn't, in the great words of, Toby Zab, he just doesn't jive with me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one whenever I hear, there, there are a few filmmakers where, like, there are those ones objectively where you're just like, someone's like, I don't like Spielberg films. You're like, oh, you're a fucking idiot then. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, like, that's like, objective. What? You're objectively wrong. Which decade are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. Or Defoe, if you're yeah. a criterion yeah. follower. <laughs> but, it, but it's like, it, it, there are those certain filmmakers, like, if someone's like, I don't like Wes Anderson, I don't like David Lynch, I'm yes. like, I get it. Like yeah. it, it's one hundred percent. Is it because yep. they're challenging? No, I think they are. They are interesting auteur directors that make the films that they want to make, mm. and they don't necessarily give a shit if there's an if there's a wide audience out there to appeal to that. They're yes. just making the art that they want to make, and just lucky for them, there's a very firm fan base out there that connect with it. And it's interesting because why I'm really excited about tonight is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but there's two 
for, and there may be two against. Yeah, I'm on the fence. You're okay. Okay, yeah. good. I'm so glad you So this will be an interesting one. Fence. I'm, I'm a fence sitter as well on this one because I don't know about you, Eric, but I laugh my ass off because we I, just we just sat mm, and watched this all yeah. together as a group. And I did laugh. A, a lot, lot. A lot. Yes. A lot. You scared the cat. <laughs> yeah. you, made, you made Madam Fancy Pants she run out of the room. Bolted. Yes. <laughs> and it was really bad because we do have an extra person here on the couch, which is Tina. We should say, yeah, Tina's on the couch as well. Feel yes. free to ty- chime in if you want. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but um, Tina was in mid-pat on the floor with the cat and I bloody burst my... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was it was exciting. Um, yeah. So, okay. I think we need to get into it, but I'm well, excited to hear why Claire really likes this film because you're, you you like this film a lot, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, before we get into like, I think what would be a good way to kind of segue into that is because um, it's our first Wes Anderson film in, I think the last one we did was Tenenbaum, so it was 175, so we're nearly like Ooh. double our amount of films later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we are doubly better at doing a podcast than we were back then. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, um, so I, I would just kind of want to go around at the table quickly and be like, what is everyone's kind of experience or first? Like, So this one came out in 2004. How old were we then? We were eight, 17, 18 mm-hmm. when this film came mm-hmm. out. Yep. Um, depending on, you know, release schedules. (laughs) So this is like really, I think, I don't know about you guys, but the Royal Tenenbaums is kind of really the first time people of our generation Mm. kind of got, yeah, were familiar with Wes Anderson. Yeah, particularly the age we were. That was my first exposure to him and I quite enjoyed it. Rewatching that as an adult, I enjoyed it much more. Yeah. Um, but so, definitely hadn't seen his first two. Yeah. So when this one came out, this wasn't. You were recently watched this for the first time, didn't you? Rewatched it. Oh, similar yeah. to Lee. I, until a few months ago, I hadn't seen this film since I was about twenty or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think the same thing. I've watched all of Wes Anderson films once. Right. And I think that just doesn't that just tell you everything. Yeah. Mm. It's it's obviously that his films, for whatever reason, don't connect with me. And uh, Rushmore, for example, my husband is a huge Rushmore fan. Yep. And I've rewatched <laughs> that whether I've chosen to or not, because I live with him <laughs> a, a numerous amount of times. In fact, there is a line that we say to each other from that film when we've had enough, and it's "Get your head out of your ass." And it's actually <laughs> it's it's Bill Murray's son. Yeah, it's it's, in it's when it's after Bill Murray uh, Bloom Howard. Uh, after Bloom first meets Max Fisher and he's so kind of taken with him, he he's in the car and he's like driving his fucking Bentley and his kids are in the back. And he's like, "Do you invite that kid to your birthday party?" And his two like wrestling macho kids yes. are just like, "What are you talking about, Max Fisher? Get your head out of your ass, dude!" Yeah. So Josh and I, whenever we've like had enough of each other, we just yell at each other, "Get your head out of your ass!" But it's punctuated with the perfect like pause for like two, yes. three, yes. four. Then Bill Murray just yes. <laughs> fucking grapple yes. with his kid. And I think um, like, and I think that hits the nail on the head for Wes Anderson for me. Maybe I have never given him enough time. I think with all sort of arty films, I don't know how else to explain this, but unless you've done a few rewatches and given it time, yeah, like I always feel like I'm digesting Wes Anderson. Maybe I haven't done enough rewatches to 
appreciate. See, that's what I find interesting because Wes Anderson, while there's a lot to digest, and don't worry, we'll get to your first exposure <laughs> soon. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, like with with Wes Anderson, there's a like everyone seems to be like, I need to digest it. I need to delve into it, but it's. No, like it's it's surface level. I always find it um, is there is very little subtext to Wes Anderson. I films. would disagree a little bit. Mm. I mean, in terms of the tributes that he's paying to with a lot of his films. Okay, so yeah. Grand like, Budapest Hotel yeah. paying tribute to that age of um, of ho- grand hotels. Yeah, um, European continental hotels, um, French Dispatch, and that era of journalism. Not, Steve, not to mention the French cinema homages. Yep, yeah. Steve Zissou and Explorers and um, the Jacques Cousteau stuff. Um, yeah. Like, if you know the content that he's referencing, if you don't like his film, well, you're not going to like it, but if you do, it's your wet dream. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was more meaning, like, on a, on a kind of a thematic narrative, the thematic yes. level. It's True. like, yeah, that's what it's... The top level it's... is relatively simple. Yeah, but yeah. But the, having, like I said, I... Re- watched the French Dispatch recently and just didn't connect with yeah. the tribute he was trying to pay. So it probably didn't hit me as much as it would hit other people. Yeah, Lee's very mm. happy to hear you say I, that. I, yeah. I, I want to dive into that so much, but I also I, want to yeah. hear I, But also I came out of that movie having enjoyed it, but Chris is like, so all the, the French... Um, I'm like, oh, cinema, did, did blah, blah, blah. you... Like, yeah, and I'm it's like, him huh? referencing Dacine and Tati. And, and I was like, no, nothing, nothing. Yeah. Completely washed over me. But... I was going to say, so I'm yeah exactly the same, you know, Tenenbaums. I probably watched it in about 2003. Mm-hmm. Then I reckon I watched um, Life Aquatic and then then I went and changed, I don't know, I reckon I was like on holidays or something, you know, got got videos from the video store. I watched Rushmore. Love it. Yep. And then I just <laughs> kept going, you know, with ones that came out in the movies. But I, I was kind of going along that surface level discussion of like, even though there are, is definitely more depth and there's so much to delve into, I reckon, except for Fantastic Mr. Fox, my very favourite time I've ever watched them is the first time. I'm So I'm, I'm like the opposite of you. I'm not mm. taking it in. But my very favourite time, my very favourite memory is not a rewatch. It's the first time. That's interesting, just kind of going along for mm. the weird. and it's Going along with this, the weird in that moment. Yeah. Especially this film, yeah. which is such a weird fucking adventure of a film. Yeah. I mm. love that, Claire. And I think that's the thing is that whilst my connection might be my connection, that's why I was so fascinated with yours because mm. I'm like, clearly you're... Uh, interpretation or you know reaction to this film is whatever different. it is and it's it's very different and I'm like I'm excited I'm like I was so excited for this podcast Chris and I was like oh we can't just do this we got to get we got to get people around us this is a film yeah. like we've got to get all the reactions and I love 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 that that was yours and I can see like I can see there is so much like oh, the characters are so adorable and yeah. oh. I think uh, that's why I love it. Yes. Yeah. Or two. Yes. Yeah. Um, Who's not adorable? Well, well Steve. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the titular Zizou. <laughs> He's the Zizou. Um, don't, yeah. don't get but, me started on Klaus. Yeah. Oh. oh, he is adorable. Like, he's so a definition. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to quickly say, like, I, I remember when, like, 
what I found so interesting and one, one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on this episode, Clay, is uh, when we first started dating way the fuck back when. Um, don't age us. Don't, yeah, no, yeah, it's fine. No, We've already oh, done that. We're 23. Check our bios. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nice try, Lao Shay. <laughs> um, uh, we were talking, like, obviously, like, the film nerd that I am and things, and I'd said that Rushmore is one of my favourite films, and you uh, had early on in our relationship said that Life Aquatic was your favourite Wes Anderson film and one of your favourite movies. So and then Chris just was, splooshed his yeah, pants I was just like, when well, you said I'll, that. Okay, I'll keep her. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 actually, rephrase, I'll allow her to keep me. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that Aww. because I'm sure it's the same, like, it came out at a, at a time where we were old enough to, you know... It's not one of those films where we're older, oh, we'll go back and read, you know. It came out when we were adults. I put in parentheses because oh, yeah. yeah. we were 18. And it's like, when we were 18, if you're a lover of film, like, what's the film out? You know, you watch yeah. the films that are out of that time. I went opening day to this film at the cinema. Like, I was dialed in and ready and fucking waiting. Mm. Even despite the fact that it had critically bombed and things. Like, we'll get, we'll, it. We'll get to that later on. I but. feel like that's a reoccurring thing for this guy. <laughs> not, at, not at this time. This is coming fresh off of his first Academy Award nomination and things. Yeah, yeah Tenenbaums did well. Yeah, Tenenbaums was nominated. Uh, it was kind of a bit of a shock. It didn't get a Best Actor nomination for Gene Hackman, which in retrospect is like, what the fuck are you doing, Academy? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Owen Wilson and Wes Anderson got nominated for Best Original Screenplay for that one. So everyone forgets, wow. Wes, uh, sorry, Owen oh, Wilson yeah. is an Oscar-nominated screenwriter. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Like, okay, so again, uh, Roller Tenenbaums, all this, I've watched them once. So if you, like, I've got nothing to contribute to that discussion because yeah. I don't remember it. Yeah. Um, before we get into, you know, blow by blow, what happens in this film, do you know what it is for me? I think you were... What's the director of Killing of a Sacred Deer? Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. Okay, so I'm that not going to repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> Come but on, he, know, he's been nominated for a bunch of Oscars now. Come on, you should know, he's a household name. No. <laughs> but you it know, rolls off the tongue. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, okay, what is, what's the one with the... Um, the lobster? Yeah, okay, the lobster. <laughs> oh. um, for, for listeners, Lee just did pincers with her hands. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so... You know how the actors and everything is just, it's a style. And yes. it's a style of acting and it's a style of line delivery. Uh, it's mm. one of my favourite styles as well, what it has recently been dubbed. Um, you know, classically there's the uh, German Expressionist, there's the French New Wave. Uh, there's a wonderful movement at the moment called the Greek Weird Wave. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. fuck yeah. Awesome. I love that name. Uh, there's some amazing other films coming out as well. Uh, recently there was a film called Pity. Oh, fucking amazing. Like, yeah, weird shit. Yes. <laughs> like purposely weird and heightened surrealistic films. Okay. Yeah. The Greek Mm-mm-mm. Weird Wave. Nope, so, not for me. Claire hates them. <laughs> the, the reason I bring that up is um, not that Wes Anderson is similar, but maybe my interpretation is similar. In that the actors, the the scenes, whatever, they are very particular yeah. in the way that they, the actors or the scenes play out. So, um, for me, it's quite dry. It's mm-hmm. quite unemotive. It's quite awkward. It's quite all these things. Um, and I struggle with Wes Anderson films to latch on to a character because they're so monotone, they're so dry 
And it's interesting because I've got a lot to say about this because Bill Murray is the driest motherfucker there is. Like <laughs> that that um, is Bill Murray. That is yeah. Bill Murray, but for some reason in a Wes Anderson film, he 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 I don't know, he just I don't know. In 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 other Bill Murray films, the rest of the world goes on like normal and Bill Murray is the dry guy and yeah. he, he's funny. Um in a Wes Anderson film, Wes Anderson film, they it's it's like killing of a sacred deer. It's like that. It's like every it's it's surrealist, but it's dry, but it's it's unemotive. It's it's it, it's it's almost like Wes Anderson is one of the few filmmakers that is able to tamp down the Bill Murray mm. of Bill yeah, Murray. Or just neutralize him with everybody else. Yeah. Either that or just kind of is it is it the Murray respects Wes? Well, they clearly work together very, very well, well, and it's like I'm gonna do it, and there's I'm not to just say that Wes is the only one that gets it because mm. there's also obviously Sophia Coppola yep. has gotten that out of him, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Jarmusch has gotten that out of him before. I'd say John McDon- uh John McNaughton. Um, I'm throwing out films. No, like uh, Mad Dog and Glory is a really interesting movie. But I think I think we is um, right. There's a way that specifically in Wes Anderson films that makes almost Bill Murray be like an ensemble yeah, like player, well, an ensemble player versus just like a main star. Well, this is the, and still to date, the only film that Bill Murray has been the star of mm. for Wes Anderson. And the rest, he is literally yeah. just part of the he's, ensemble. He's Some of them, the he's second, yeah. dead love, like, in the, the first scene. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, uh, man, I only recently found out that like he, his little cameo at the beginning of Darjeeling, he's essentially supposed to be yeah. the father of the three boys as yeah. like that spiritual ghost thing, yep. which I, yeah, that blew my mind. I know, that, that's fascinating, isn't it? Um, but you go directly before this was Tenenbaums where he is like, Ninth build, yep, and he plays a cuck. <laughs> make little, <laughs> little mm. weird cuck Raleigh. I feel like the side, word, like the yeah. psychologist. I'm so sorry, but I feel like that word. You had to explain that to me, and I the, feel like you had to wait. I feel like you had to explain it to me on the Criterion Quest. I know, no, that's why I purposely oh, yeah. said it very aggressively as he was a cuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could have phrased that like, way better. Hey, but Chris, I was trying to get it what right. does cuck mean? <laughs> yeah, forty episodes earlier, um, <laughs> he, he was being yeah. <laughs> And I mean this as um, I find it difficult to care or attach myself to any of the characters because of the style, the stark, I don't know what to explain it as, but stark, stiff, stiff is the word I mean. And I think what he's doing is it's stiff, it's, it's stark, but then there's like a little innocent moment or a side eye or something like that and you just burst out laughing because you just it's so cute and he uses moments like that really sparingly I think that's the other thing like there's a lot of the comedic moments but the heartfelt moments Mm. like this film is almost like two one hour and 55 minutes worth of build up for an incredibly touching ending 100% we'll get to I'm sure later but um, there's all this build up so when that ending is quite different to the rest of the film it just like made us all shut up two parts (gasps) made us all not just that but I I I started to cry as I do every time I watch the end of this film. Mm. I, I think it is one of the most beautiful. It's amazing. Isn't it? oh it's fantastic. Lord. And I think that's like when you were saying you're on the fence, like mm. I went on the fence. I'm always on the fence with Wes Anderson. I think he challenges me. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely we, <laughs> Chris and I watch a lot of, <laughs> we watch all our films together for the Criterion Quest and we like, bah, 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 
through it and like have a lot a few lols. We're, we're trying to t- we're talking our way through. Yeah, <laughs> what but then that, then that comes through our episode as well. So yes. we're like, oh, remember when you said you know? Oh. Yeah. But you're right. We we shut up in this film, and I've I've got to be the same as Eric. Like I I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. I got quite emotional, and and that's what I mean. Like I don't know if it's not, I haven't given Wes Anderson time. Um, but he challenges me, and I, I did feel a little like not. I hate to say this, but a bit bored at times. Mm. But I think it's more that I'm, you know, when you get like challenged enough and your brain just shuts off. You're just like, think, I'm not going to bother trying to. Yeah. I think I need to like give it time, but he's never been one to draw me back in and make me rewatch. If yeah. you know what I mean. So. Um, I think what, like, you know, we, we've jumped kind of to the end, but, like, uh, we'll work our way just yes, while we're on yes, this note. Yes. I think, like, why I love this film so much, as we've all said, like, we were laughing and chatting and doing all this throughout the film, but then when this happened, the end of the film came along, we all shut the fuck up and paid attention. We shut up for two things. We shut up for Ned's yes. funeral. And, and, and the, the final scene in the submarine. Yeah. Um, it's... And why this film why I love it so much and why I think it is a different thing from the Wes Anderson filmography is because the bulk of his career and his films deal with asshole protagonists who are striving to be better. But that's, that's kind of like, especially early, early on. Not necessarily in, striving to be better. Or like, you know, dragged or, or, or that learn to become better yeah. over the course, or at least seem actively engaged to learn and grow in some degree. Yeah. Um, Life Aquatic is a film that doesn't... It has that narrative arc, mm. but he is not objectively, outwardly appearing to be w- going on that arc. No. It's yeah. not until right towards the end that you start to realise, like, oh, his cynicism and his dickheadedness is, like, oh, that's him covering up his emotion for... He's, he's actually... We've been watching this arc all along. Is, this his, is it just one big grieving arc... Pretty much. That just breaks at the very end when he thought he found a replacement for Esteban and then that replacement disappeared and he gets and the it's, end. And it's also culminated and like stacked on with people actually like proving that he, like he's physically, like there's a tangible thing that proves that he's right and there's worth in what mm. he's doing. Okay. Like, it's all stacked on like. I want to not this like, tower. <laughs> just breeze over this because yeah. one of my main questions was why do we care, what's going on and... You know, all this sort of thing. Yeah. All right. So, um, <laughs> so let's, let's right. tackle it. So let's tackle this. So we start with um, Steve. At the Locanto Film Festival. And it, it's, all, it's all really funny. And then he loses his, will we say, right-hand man? Yeah, his, his best friend and his partner, Esteban. Uh, awesome little cameo by uh, Seymour Cassell, a classic old Cassavetes actor who previously had played Dusty, the elevator operator in uh, Tenenbaums. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're going to have to help me. Okay, well, you can help me Claire's with that. just, like, rubbing her brow, like, <laughs> God damn it. Like... <laughs> Seymour Cassell. I'm gonna be like the guy with the hat. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, don't worry. I got, I got the guy with the bald head. I got, got, got hats, you. but yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we we start with the loss of his partner in crime, and then we are at the premiere of his most recent documentary, The Jaguar Shark Part One. <laughs> I love that. Um, and actually, we have to talk about the weird. Um, chaptering of this film which we'll get into yeah it's very strange um but anyway so then is it at the boat party that we're introduced to 
What's his name? Ned. Ned. Thank yes. you. Thank you. <laughs> or Kingsley. Or Kingsley. Oh, Kingsley's Kingsley. Ned, Ned Plimpton or yeah. Kingsley's Hisson. I love that. And then from there, Chris, help me out because... <laughs> because it's all happened. a bit of a blur. Yes. Uh, well, to quote uh, Steve himself, well, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go on an overnight drunk and then I'm going to go out and fight, track and kill the shark that ate my best friend. Anyone who's welcome to join me, feel free to meet me on the deck. I've got to just stop and say an overnight drunk. Yeah. I mean, we've all done it. But to acknowledge right beforehand, I'm yeah. going to go on an overnight drunk. Mm. Like, oh, yes. What? It's just so wonderful as well. Like, I mean, going from the film festival where he's just like, you're immediately establishing this man is a fucking laughing stock. Like, yes. you have the, it's the ultimate cut of like, there's a full crowd watching the film premiere and then we cut to the Q&A afterwards and it's like, no one is left. Yeah, just absolutely brilliant. And then you have a heckler outside, like, attacking him and things, like, yelling and abuse at him. It's interesting because I find there's a lot in Wes Anderson. When I talk about this, not stale's not the word, stark's not the word, stiff is the word. But yeah. we're just, we're, we're reserved, we're stiff, whatever. And you don't, you don't watch the build-up of emotion. But I find it's like a reoccurring thing where it's, a character loses their shit. Oh, yeah. But you don't, you don't watch it or observe it or see it you just like all of a sudden they like move off camera and they start beating someone up i well, feel like it's a thing like but we... a big thing in wes anderson films is men not being able to properly express emotion oh, yeah. <laughs> like that is wes anderson like rushmore alone. <laughs> yeah even, even, even like after... fa- fucking fantastic mr fox yeah. isle of yeah. dogs even has that even, like... yeah. but the women always more way way more perceptive of yeah. what's going oh, on oh the women are like beyond you guys are just themselves to everything else as well. Yes. And I've got to chime in. We'll get into this a bit more, but I feel like um, Kate Blanchett didn't get the Wes Anderson memo. In terms of she's acting and giving us more than any other character in this film. She's not on the same wavelength necessarily. I think that suits because she's not part of the crew. That's true. She's an outsider. And I actually don't mind her performance. I know exactly what you mean. Her cadence of her speech is like a regular movie. Yes. <laughs> Not yes. a Wes Anderson cadence. And yeah. It stands like, out. I think that's why right. I liked Frances McDormand in um, French Dispatch because she played Frances mm-hmm. McDormand being really Friday. good at acting. Yeah. yeah. Um, Same with Chalamet. That's why that whole story is like... Yeah. yeah just... Whereas a couple of the others were, all right, let's put on our cadence and deliver... Because that's the one yeah. one segment in French Dispatch that doesn't have a Wes Anderson regular in it. I mean, yeah. Francis McDormand had actually been in Moonrise Kingdom and stuff oh, prior, right. but yeah, but yeah it, it's for the most part, it's not the one stacked with regulars. Yes. Mm. Um, but, um, but, yeah, I thought yeah. Kate Blanchett... Yeah, it's an interesting one because she's a bit different... Especially um, since she came into the role late into production, actually. Oh, really? Um, she was not the first person cast uh, in that role. Gwyneth she... Paltrow. Yes. Ah, How? Uh, <laughs> high five. Well done, Eric. <laughs> did you just guess that or did you know and... No, she was in um, Ten of Bombs. Yeah. Oh, of just... course. And he doesn't cast any other blonde females yeah. before that. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, he'd originally cast... a happy guess. I mean, a lucky <laughs> guess, yeah. Uh, he originally cast Gwyneth Paltrow on the road, but she had to back out uh, due to schedule conflicts, and then he got uh, Nicole Kidman into oh. the role, oh. who then, yeah. because the schedule was so kept getting prolonged and hectic and things, mm. then she had to back out, and then it came down to Julianne Moore or Kate Blanchett. Wow. Yeah. You know, Interesting. It is interesting yeah. because sometimes you've given me alternate castings and I'm like, yeah, I could see that. But I really think Kate Blanchett nailed it. Like, yeah. 
Um, yeah. I think would, she's brilliant in this film. I think so too. And we were talking about like, what is it? It's 2004, released 2004. She's going to win an Oscar within 12 months. Yeah. But this is post... This is uh, post Lord of the Rings. Post Lord of the Rings. Post Elizabeth. Post talented Mr. Ripley. It she is. She didn't win for Elizabeth. No, she wins uh, in two thousand and five for Aviator. Yes, oh, supporting actress. But people were shocked this that is... she didn't get Elizabeth. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm. I'm tired. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> but she was great in the Aviator. So, but anyway, oh yeah, she's so, amazing in the Aviator. But this is really exciting for her, and it's really nice to watch a film where she's not Kate Blanchett yet. Mm. Like she's mm. on the rise and. In this timeline, she's like, she's perfect for this role because she's not Kate Blanchett. It's all Bill Murray. Do you know what I mean? Like, she's, yeah. she slips into that role nicely without mm. being Kate Blanchett. It's yeah. a little bit like Tilda Swinton these days. Yeah, good Great call. actress, mm. but these days she often gets cast or maybe volunteers even, and then she freaking goes for it. Um, but she almost plays a caricature in a lot of her roles. She's a, mm. she's she's a bit of a so chameleon where she just yeah. kind of dives into whatever. Yeah, she's got a bit of whatever. She's so talented and does a bit of whatever. Mm. And um, that sort of, it just made me think of that similar kind of thing. Um, mm. She's just a powerhouse these days. Um, whereas once upon a time... She was she an was amazing kind of actress. She was kind of like really good actress who wasn't getting maybe the yeah. number oh, and volume of roles. She's been around since the 80s as yeah. well. Like, people forget that. Like, she's been she's around finally for... getting just the level of recognition that she deserves for her skill. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, we're at a boat fight. <laughs> but, yeah. but I have to interrupt. No. Just with um, Kate Blanchett, I said while we were watching this, so I've got to preface this, so I think I might have said this earlier, but I watched this when it came out mm-hmm. and tonight. <laughs> so that's, that's it, yeah. But anyway, I said when we were watching this, I'm like, is she actually pregnant? And then you said... She actually is, yeah. So um, she came into the role a little bit late and uh, she was being fitted for a body... She was They were doing a body cast on her, obviously, to create the fake pregnancy belly and she fainted while that was happening. And she was like, that's really fucked up and weird. I've never fainted before in my life. And then the next day she found out she was actually pregnant and that's why. Um, Are you ready? Body cast. And then... <laughs> <laughs> to which our Wes Anderson joke, like, you're taking method acting a little bit too serious, mm. but yeah. <laughs> um, Love it. Yeah, I would imagine for some of this film she's actually pregnant and you can't just be the same pregnant for the whole show. Well, well it's also <laughs> like she's actually not in the film that much, True. really. Like, She's um, mostly on the... Boat, on a the little bit on the island. And that's yeah, it. they yeah. could really have shot her out within a month. Yeah, because uh, I do know that this was a very protracted like shoot. Like it just kept going on and on and on because of all the little nitty gritty and the intricacies of it and things. Um, yeah, to the point of Bill Murray was not able to accept his BAFTA. He was busy shooting this. Oh. They let him go off to go to the Oscars where he didn't win. But yeah, BAFTA like uh, Lost in Translation. Yeah. This was this. They were shooting this during the awards circuit time for Lost in Translation. I think um, that's my favorite Bill Murray film. I don't care yeah. what yours. I mean, I do. Care what yours. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even say a word. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying like we're all no. we're all welcome to our favorite Bill Murray films. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mine. Yeah. It is... Century time. I, I honestly think th- uh, it's between Bloom and this is my favourite Bill Murray performance ever. Bloom? Uh, Bloom from Rushmore. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Harold, Harold Bloom, like, yeah, the character. So, so this or I, another Wes Anderson? Yeah, I, <laughs> I honestly adore his performance in this. It is, to me, that perfect blend and mix of 
that sardonic Bill Murray style that we're so used to and that sarcastic dickheadery. That and his nuances suit this type of film. Brilliant. The real subtleties yes. he can bring just suit this type of film. And I agree. not as many actors and actresses can do it as well as he can. But somehow throughout it all, especially on the multiple rewatches, there is such a deep sadness to the performance yeah. he's subtly brought in there. And... Like it's hysterically funny, but I, you just, I, I know, I like, he's such an asshole, but I just feel so bad for him the entire time. I feel like I'm on. Okay, I love that you said that because I, I want to chime in, and I feel like I'm on the wrong wavelength watching this. Clearly, Claire and you, when you watch Wes Anderson, you're on this wavelength, and I'm on that wavelength, and I'm, I'm not computing. I'm not computing. Well, it's. Like, I mean, I don't put on Lord of the Rings it being like, fuck yeah, Commando. <laughs> <laughs> like, you pick your way for it. I no, know. Sorry, I, I'm being I, a dick. No, no. But it's interesting because, Claire, you find this utterly charming, I'm guessing. Yeah. It's yeah, sweet. It's charming and sweet. Yeah. And I like the random things popping up out of the blue. And you're like, what? Why? Yeah. And I love, yeah, once again, colour palette and the ship. Oh, oh the, the, Bella, the Bellafonte. Bellafonte oh. with its, <laughs> like, with its um, cut out on the, the side and we get to see all the, the little tour. rooms. The tour, how good is the tour? Oh, the tour that is one of so the best good. parts of the film, that That's tour That's my favourite part, I think. It's so good, I think it? that alone makes it almost my favourite. So, so that is a real set that was built at uh, the very famous Cinecita Studios in Rome. Uh, it is 140 feet long and 40, f- 40 feet high. Amazing. Real practical set. Oh. And uh, it's named the Bellafonte in a reference to uh, Jacques Cousteau's uh, boat was called the Calypso. So he named it his the Bellafonte after Harry Bellafonte who did Calypso music. Oh, <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. yeah, see, that's stuff I would never get, but I still love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. And before we get into set design or, or, or colorization or anything, there is, there, there is an element of this that is lighthearted and sweet and sincere and beautiful. And I feel like I'm on the wrong one. I'm like, what the Well, fuck? this one is very jarring, though, because then there's yeah. even the scene where the Stooges kick in and he just boots the pirates off his boat like a madman. But, but also at that point, <laughs> when the Stooges kick in, everything goes bright and it's yes. been dull and this is a moment of heroism that is yeah. all of a sudden bright again. It's haven't sending all, real mixed messages. Haven't we all waited for a Bill Murray just, like, shooting random yes. people yeah. scene? Yep. Just kicking ass. We don't yep. normally see that. He's usually I mean, like befuddled or. I mean, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters? Yeah. He moves pretty slow. Not, yeah, that's true. He's not going to get any marshmallow on him in the yeah. final scene. <laughs> but I think um, that's what I mean about rewatching because as we were watching it, you're like, notice this. And then it'd be like, the, the colours were. Um, Changing. Yeah, and when, when the pirates. Notice come this. Board, yeah. And the colours shift and change and it goes to a different colour set and yeah. and that I think that's what I mean about rewatchability. I'm like, well, I haven't given it the time so I'm not processing that. Mm. Um but yeah, I think I think like what Claire's saying, it it doesn't matter. When she watched it for the first time, this was her reaction and I'm watching it for the second time and it's not mine and I think I'm not I'm not tapping in and I'm not on the on the if right wavelengths. So I like I said I first watched it ooh, a long time ago, like fifteen years ago, 
watched it for the second time two months ago, didn't really enjoy it that much on that watch, and I enjoyed it more tonight. And I don't know it was the way we watched it, because we laughed about... Social, yeah. Like, as a big group. Yeah. Um, or if it was because I'd seen it recently, and I sort of knew what to expect. Because yes. re-watching it, it is a very oddly paced film. It doesn't have your mm-hmm. classic three-act sort of structure. Mm-hmm. It feels long, I think, because of that. You sort of have mom- lots of slow moments and then like a quick moment and then that's some more slow moments. But on the rewatch this time, I'm like, okay, he's a piece of crap. Yeah. I know that from the start. Yeah. There's a really lovely ending scene. I know I've got that to look forward to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, and the music's real. I'm going to listen to that a bit. I love the score a lot more. With the oh, Dango. the Mark Mother's Bar yeah. score is amazing. So I could appreciate more because I knew the plot and I didn't have to worry about that. And so I can yeah. embrace Willem Dafoe and just get pumped. <laughs> yeah. um, um, Best character in the film. Those yeah. shorts. Oh. I think those shorts. I lo- yes. And we, you did point out when I said I love this guy's shorts, you're like, wait till you see his wetsuit. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think you're right because I'm waiting for the pin to drop. Well, yeah. not pin to drop, the, you know. And, yeah, you probably, like, if you already know what happens, then you can appreciate the moment. Anyway. You're yeah. able to kind of soak in the atmosphere of Steve, yeah. knowing that that arc and that growth were eventually going to get there. And as Eric said, like, this is essentially a, we're watching a man grieve, and that's why mm. he's lashing out, and that's why he's behaving like he is. Whereas if you're watching this on an initial watch, you're like, this guy sucks. Why is he our protagonist? Yeah. At least previous, like Royal, Ten- like Royal Tenenbaum, like the character Gene Hackman plays, like we understand why he's being manipulative, why he's doing yeah. the things that he's doing. His motivations are very it's clear early clear, on. Whereas this is kind of almost a bit of a magic trick of a film. It's like, like we're going on a quest. And he's keeping it, he's playing it so like Steve, mm. the character himself, he's holding it in close to the vest to like keep that hidden away mm. from the audience. And then it's this reveal towards the end. Of the shark? And it, well, I mean, the shark is like the, that's like the impetus kind of scene that kind of, okay. we're laying it all out there. I feel like you're like rushing over this, but I'm really interested. Because <laughs> I'm like, why, what, what, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just. We'll build up to it, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm intrigued why, what. Like, let, let's focus specifically on this film. Like, what it is that is that you find it hard to engage okay. with. I, I, I'm, I, not, I, I'm just intrigued. Yes, like, I know. Yeah. and But I also am the same with you. Yeah? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So it's just a. Yeah. So, yeah, like a mutual exchange. So, for me. Like I said before, it's it's the performance and the style, and I and I bring up the killing of the sacred deer in terms of Wes Anderson has a style that he wants his actors mm-hmm. to perform, and it's it's stiff, yeah, with a cute little side eye or something that is a bit cute, and like Eric was saying, that might be later on the film, yeah. For majority, for me, majority of the film, it's quite stiff, and. I'm meant to be on this journey of this man who's lost his co-pilot, co-partner, whatever, but then getting a son figure to um, jump in his place. So I get it. I get what's going on. I get the dynamics. But I just can't connect. I find it hard to connect. I find it cute. I find it funny. But I just don't. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Ugh, I, I don't know. I yeah. think it's because his reason... And I think I probably really only got the most tonight. It's that, once again, it's that final scene where he sees the, um, they see the Jaguar shark and he, ma- he makes the comment 
as is it Sigur Ross that's playing at that point? Yeah, it's a Sigur Ross song. Yeah. Sigur Ross, totally different to all the other music that's played all film. And he just says, I wonder if it remembers me. And then he just starts tearing up. Yeah. Mm. And the shark is, you know, representation of Esteban. Yeah. Um, Ned, he knew about Ned his whole life. He also knew mm. he was impotent. Ned is not actually his son. Yes. Ned came along at the time when he lost his best friend. All of a sudden he seemed to be interested in being a father somewhat. Mm. And then he lost this replacement thing and it also helped him realise how important Esteban and family actually was. And you've got the whole cast in the boat at the same time too. And all of them, uh, once he says that as well, reaching out out to him and acknowledge and understand like... Yeah, yeah essentially then, like your scene, we understand. And at the end of the film, he sits on the steps. He doesn't watch his own film. He has the award next to him, like Chris pointed out. <laughs> but and then at the he very also, end, yeah. he picks up the kid and leaves the award behind. Yep. He doesn't care about the accolades or the attention. And the final credit scene, I think, is actually really important. It's got all of them, the band back together. Yep. The little kid's coming along. The intern's got a uniform. Yeah. Yep. And they're going to set off again because it's just what they enjoy doing as a team. Yeah. And and the awards and the accolades. That's they, what I got doesn't tonight that yeah. I don't think, yeah, I got and last it, time I watched the it, film. It's basically a, the arc of a man who began his life giving a shit and loving what he did, mm. getting burnt out on it, and then somehow through this dark, weird journey that he goes on, having that reignited and that rekindled, and he feels worth again in not just the work that he's doing but his own life like essentially there's a reason why he did this in the first place yep and um and it took losing his friend to a beautiful creature yeah that he wanted to blow up with dynamite out of out of revenge <laughs> yeah. um so i think that's it yeah. yeah which i don't think i got until this watch because the first watch doesn't count it was so long ago and it, it's it's yeah. a film that I I think more than any like I have many many times said Rushmore is one of my top ten films of all yes. time uh, Life Aquatic I think is the film of Wes Anderson's that I've watched the most yep. because of little nuances because it's such a weird and different arc than and kind of structure than what he's done previously picking up little nuanced things like Towards the end, when they're in the helicopter right before Ned dies, he says, like, I've always kept yours. And he pulls out, he's always had Ned's letter. Mm. Yet the first time he introduces Ned, he meets Ned, he walks past and he's like, hello, Mr. Zizou, I'm Ned. And he's like, all right, man, and just keeps walking. <laughs> like, he knows That's who that... That's a shifting character. That's his, he... his... Yeah. yeah. It's, it's... And I mean, then he, like, has the discussion with Ned, and he's like, well, excuse me for a second, goes off, fucking smokes a joint, comes out, he's like, sorry, you caught me. So, anyway. <laughs> so it's, think... it's a man learning to grow and become in touch with his emotions. It's so beautiful. And I think, like... <clears throat> I think that's where rewatchability works in because I'm like, all right, where are we going? All right, I'm going to have a joint. Where are we coming? All right, we're coming back here. You know, like I think I need to give Wes Anderson more time mm-hmm. and then I can't pick up on those on first watch. Yeah, and it, I will also say this one is very different, I think, to a lot of his other films. Yeah. Um, it's very fucking weird. <laughs> I feel like, like we need to give Lee a challenge, though, with this rewatch. Okay. I feel like we have to challenge you to re-watch a different one and okay. see what you can get in depth. Yes. Mm, I don't know which one. Yeah. Just in I future. Mm. I watched for the first time ever the Darjeeling Limited and freaking loved it. That's interesting. And Never I know a lot of it. people don't like that one. Yeah, that's kind of the most... And yeah. for some reason, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I've, I've been to India, so a little bit of me maybe just was like, oh, a movie in India. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, that nostalgia... 
that sort of thing kicked in. Um, but it was nothing like the movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a totally different party. You, you don't have two estranged brothers grieving the loss of their yeah, father. It's a big country too. Um, but I think the smaller cast may have helped as well. It's a very intimate film. Yeah, it's one. very intimate. Yeah. And so you don't have to worry about a cast of like ten. Yeah. You can focus on the ca- the main cast of three with yeah. their little side characters, but you can focus on the three main ones. And yeah. um, Well, that, yeah. that that's an interesting thing because this is Wes Anderson's like, I mean, despite Royal Tenenbaums having a massive cast, mm. it is a very intimate film at the same yeah. time. Like it predominantly takes place in, at the Archer Avenue house. Like this. Are you talking about Darjeeling? No, no at Tenenbaums. Ten like it, it's mo- for the most part, it's insular inside that house dealing with the emotional connections between this family it's a very small mm. tight-knit film this is the first kind of wes anderson film where he's really branching out and dealing with like a better term like an epic scope and story and massive ensemble cast that some people won't get as much playtime and interaction and things that then i think he perfectly perfects later in his career well, he knows how to juggle all those elements a little bit better later on well, see Look, and I'm coming on a one-watch-only mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anderson. Um, but it's interesting that you brought a lot of a lot of the stuff he brought up. I'm like, I can see him finding his style, his mm-hmm. his way of filmmaking in Life Aquatic. Yet there are some weird, like janky handheld. Yeah, the, the first 45 minutes or so of the film, for lack, like, with the exception of a few, like, the push-in shot when he says he's going to go on an overnight bender, the beautiful kind of side-down shot when he goes up to smoke the joint, like, yeah. for the most part, it's handheld until... Sorry, I've, I've been trying... Yeah, yeah, no, and I, and I, it's, it's, I've seen, I think, all of his, at least most of his films, at least once. Mm-hmm. And I would say his later films are quite... It's like you're watching not a film but a stage production mm-hmm. and a, a camera filming a stage production. That's how I feel about it. It's a lot of set. It's a lot of still... It, there's, there's zoom, but yeah. there's a lot of still shots and... He creates a hyper-real universe for his films, essentially. Yeah, um, but this one, it's still set in an element of reality. Yeah, um, it's it's. It, I think why that's so interesting because it's the same cinematographer he's used since Bottle Rocket. But they've obviously um, come into their own or come into their style. Like it's, well, did it, they didn't start established. They've worked up to it. Um, I mean, you go back and you watch Bottle Rocket, and you can see it's like the proto. Like there are elements of it there. It's not fully formed. Rushmore, it's re- like people forget. Like Rushmore op- has credit, like title cards that open, mm. that have curtains that open yes. <laughs> for like seasons and things. Like it's, it's, it's very Wes Anderson right from the get go. He's got an established style, but what he and Robert Yeoman, his cinematographer, are doing with especially the first half of this film, having it handheld. It's it's mimicking the camera movements, mimicking Steve's psyche. It's fractured. It's broken. It's wobbly it's unstable Mm. and then as he's going on later in his life he gets Eleanor back he's got you know Ned in his life he has purpose of like tracking down the Bond stooge Um, things become more stable and more locked off and it becomes clearer and more precise and it's It's, fucking brilliant that that is brilliant yeah interesting that you put it that way because another scene that I thought was really interesting is when the helicopter crashes 
and he surfaces yelling Ned, Ned, in the exact same way he yells Esteban, Esteban, yep. after he's eaten by the shark. Yeah. And it's, you know, the cameraman in the water just getting smashed by waves. I know, Robin right? He's copping waves in the yeah, back Yeah, I'm like, that was the first time I really noticed how rough those waves yeah, it's are. It's surprisingly <laughs> rough out there. Yeah. Um, and so you've got that just parallel with Esteban's death, but then just, yeah, that bumpy, broken, like they, they could have just sat up on a crane and filmed it, or, you know, oh, yeah. on mm. still cam from That's somewhere else. conscious But choice. they're like, no, nah, we're pushing the camera in the water. The only time this whole water-based film is Go going the in the water. I mean, the water. there are a couple of the weird diving scenes with oh, the stop true. motion oh, and yes. things. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So, um, yeah, that kind of matches the disaster, I guess. Yeah, and, or, and the, the way that's brilliantly shot with, like, that first drip of blood going down the oh, way. Yeah. No, it's so well and done. Then, yeah. oh, so fucking well done. I, yeah. I love how um, he has two, <laughs> two dolphins. <laughs> that are meant to be intelligent, but I've never seen any evidence. We have of it. two albino scouts that can swim along with the ship. <laughs> I love how there's a topless. Um, what is she? Script supervisor. Script supervisor. <laughs> not to mention the group of interns where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to fail you. When they eventually mutiny against him, it's like, I'm not going to fail you. You're just going to get incompletes. <laughs> That's the growth of Steve. We like, all he's, know... slow, he's on his arc. No, he's not we gonna... all know that an incomplete is the same as a I know, fail. but <laughs> Steve doesn't. <laughs> For him, it's a big deal. And then you have the wonderful intern number one, uh, Matthew Gray Goobler from um, fucking... Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Go- yeah. Go- what's his name? Matthew Gray Goobler. 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 G-U-B-L-E-R. You've legit become an actor and you've kept that as your name? Well, I would say, well, this is his first ever acting gig. Uh, He would then go on to have, you know, 15 years on fucking Criminal Minds and things. I know this very well because two of our friends, Cole, and another one of our friends, Boomba, are big Criminal Minds fans, and that's how I know him. Mm. Uh, He got the role playing intern number one because he was, in real life, Wes Anderson's intern. What? <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. And um, he, there's a wonderful special feature on the Criterion uh, disc where it's he basically kept a video diary the entire production, and oh. so it's the intern's oh. video diary. It's oh. him fly on the wall being like, so I was Wes at, like the intern at Wes Anderson's That's production office, rad. and he cast me as an intern, and now I'm fucking in scenes with Angelica Houston and Bill Murray and Matthew Michael no Gambon. Got a career, like yeah. he's clearly creative. And, he he wanted yeah, to be an actor and kind of yeah. break into the industry, but he was just uh, was an unpaid intern and got cast as an unpaid intern. Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, not on the topic of this film at all, but I do have to bring this um, story up, and it is a story. Um, we, we, <laughs> I'm glad it's a story. We, Happy we, to hear. <laughs> we we've obviously had some long-term lockdowns in Melbourne mm-hmm. and um, one of which your birthday fell into, Chris. Yes. And I thought, oh. <laughs> I've got a great present for you. Oh, I know where this is yeah. going. <laughs> anyway, so um, get your fat ass back oh, here. No, keep going. I'm getting the present for... Oh, you're yeah. getting the present. Yeah. Okay, oh, no. good. Um <laughs> What the fuck was the movie? Oh, shit. Grand okay, Grand okay, Tower. okay. Yes, thank you. Yeah, anyway, so I saw online that you could get um, a puzzle. I'm like, lockdown puzzle. Jigsaw right. puzzles. Jigsaw All the puzzles. Yeah. And it was Grand Budapest Hotel, the pink hotel. Like the piece. beautiful, like, matte painting of beautiful. the Grand Budapest. Yeah. yeah. I thought, oh, you know, that'll be fun for them to do in lockdown, Grand Budapest, whatever. Anyway, so it arrives late. Like, late. Like, not even like late, like 
fucking late. I think my like my birthday's in August. I think it arrived early October. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, you're welcome. Here, he's he's your present, and and this is what arrived. So I, I just oh, like yeah, to I seen a photo of narrate what uh, Chris is holding up to Eric. It is a jigsaw puzzle box that's clearly been sat on, kicked around, like fucking squashed between something. But but it's it's an image of the Grand Budapest Hotel, right? But, but no, no. In fact, it is an image of like what is uh, a series of different lips. I believe it is twenty five sets of lips with yep. different makeup. Different makeup. So we've got we've got um, your normal lips. We've watermelon got watermelon lips. Lips. We've got Diamonti blue lips. lips. We've got diamonty lips. One's eating it. And one thousand pieces. One thousand pieces. I don't think just it loose. Is. Just falling out of a broken in a plastic in bag. A broken freezer bag. <laughs> so you know, as all good friends do, when something like this arrives, you don't go, "Well, how embarrassing." I think I'll put that in the bin and get something else. No, I delivered it. I'm like, "That's your present." <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> Have we done the puzzle? No. No. Will we share a picture of the puzzle? Yes. yes. <laughs> but I, I just want everyone to know I spent a lot of money on that. <laughs> That's a real and I pick up. I appreciate Did it. Did you chase up the legit one? Oh, I may have got 50% back from. I don't know, something weird. I mean, I, I think would, that's yeah, where I you learn That's where you learn <laughs> oh, how to clean money back from yeah. PayPal, I think. Oh, yes, yeah. that's the I time it that on you PayPal. To anyway. complain mm. to PayPal about shit. It's what happens. Lee's really good at online shopping, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let, that's a that's yeah. a new that's a story that's we a could go into. Um, <laughs> that's but, on the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, anyway, moving right back to <laughs> Life Aquatic. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a... I think I connect and love this film so much because of it, it, the the emotional arc and that Steve is going on. The idea of someone who is closed off from emotion and is kind of just so shut down, slowly like de- being thrust into a situation that is hyper-emotional, like the loss of his best friend and having to try and reconcile with that and then the the arc that ends up happening with the introduction of Ned and all these different elements forcing this man who has spent the better part, like, you know, the last 10, 20 years of his life closed off from emotion, having to reconcile and kind of open up again. I think it's just absolutely beautiful. And, sorry, I have to interrupt because all of what you just said I got more from you in this moment than I did watching the film. And I maybe that's a rewatchability. Maybe it's me just being a dumbass. But all of what you just said, I it just I just I did I didn't get it. I didn't connect with me. I mm-hmm. just like I, I, I don't know. Like and again, I, I like what I said in the beginning, it's one where I mean I got that out of this film, but you know what I'm it's one like I get it. Because it. it's because it's Wes Anderson. I get it. Like, Claire, get it's it. such... Claire got it like that. I get it. First watch like that. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I don't get it. Like like I said, it's similar. Like there, there are those specific filmmakers where you either are on the wavelength or not. Yes. Like harking back to what we said at the beginning. And like, I've got to commend you on that. You're on the wavelength or not. It's not you get it or you don't. Because if you say you get it or you don't, it's like you're either oh, no, you're like, smart I, or you're dumb. Like, yeah, like, you know, I understand that you understand the emotional art. Like, yes. You get what this film's about. I, you just I, didn't enjoy I mean it. That's fine. I appreciate that term because maybe I didn't connect. Yeah. Not because I don't understand. 
I get what he's going through. I just don't connect. It, it's the same reason, like, I, you know, people hate Tarantino films. People hate Hitchcock films. People I have had trouble with Coen Brothers films. Yeah. Because they're really What's odd. going on? Yeah, to, oh, to the point of I kind of want to <laughs> start a... I know, I've been intrigued. But the ones I've re-watched more recently I've actually enjoyed because yeah. I sort of... Yeah, that I didn't enjoy the first time around. So um, I, I'm I'm trying to convince Eric to uh, start another podcast called What's uh, You kept brilliantly came up with the title of It was just What's Going On. Was that right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's, what's Going On? Where we because you were not a fan, like we just watched the Coen Brothers film on yeah. and discuss. Yeah, I think um, it's a it's a good good concept. Problem is, I actually kind of like a few of them now. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's what we want. <laughs> but yes, I when I was younger, yeah. I had trouble connecting with them. Just the style of comedy. Yeah, I just wasn't ready for but on a rewatch I'm like I know what to expect this time I, I understand the mood and the tone of what this piece yeah. of art is doing and I can engage with it yeah. um, I get John Goodman but, yeah. <laughs> about time that man is a oh, fucking I, national treasure I did like John Goodman yeah. but yeah but, but not to say I, I feel like Lee you were sorry just about to jump like no no I think like what you're saying Eric is what I was wanting to happen tonight when I was I'm like open eyes open like mind let's let's get Wes Anderson. And so I watched it tonight. I'm like, I'm going to fucking get it this time. I'm going to get it. Everyone else gets it. Why don't I? And then it just... But it, it's also not a matter of you not getting it. It's like, because you, you clearly get it, but get it's it. also, it's just you just don't enjoy it. You're not enjoying it's it. It's like, I know how to roller skate. I don't want to go roller skating. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't like it. 100%. Like, thank you. It's yeah. not that I'm stupid. No. You just don't connect with it. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's it. I think, like, I think one of the most connectable Wes Anderson films is Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, one hundred percent. I think it's the most accessible. Yes. Um, yes, it's got a nice big budget, a brilliant cast. All the performances are good. It's a bit, it's simpler to follow. It's a bit more traditional. It's got the cutesiness, but it's not so cute. over the he top. Is, um, like yeah. French Dispatch goes well into the arty style, and, it, and I would say as well, French Dispatch is cynical and kind of yeah dark and really dark. the character arcs and transformations um and motives are very clear in the grand budapest hotel you mm. know who's a, yes. a bad guy quote um and you you know he doesn't even have so much of a transformation um ralph ray fines so that's a good one to rewatch because yeah. i think it's the easiest one to connect with it's, it's probably my favorite and in terms of watching it only once because i've mm. only watched it once i actually really enjoyed it french dispatch it's interesting because you know is it being shunned by the Oscars, hasn't it? Uh, it got a it got like production design and that kind of film on that level needs to no, be actually, nominated think, for best picture. Like, wait, let me see. I, I think it actually. You might be right. I think it might have actually gotten shut out. Yeah, I think mm. that's what I mean by shunned. Like, this is why we need to do our. We're going to do a little Oscar episode coming. Up. <laughs> yeah, myself, what's been nominated? Because. Uh, while you're looking it up. Yeah, no, I'm completely shot oh. out. It got nominated for three BAFTAs, but no Oscars. Um, I wanted to talk about just how much I love those costumes. I feel uh, like it just yeah. makes everything. Like, In Life Aquatic? Yeah. Oh, it's 100%. Just, it's just, it makes them uniform. It makes them part of a team. You can tell that they're working together. It, it's just really special. Everything, their individual Adidas shoes. and oh, It's all so yes. lovely. Plus and the added wonderfulness of them clearly not having a spare cap, so they've found one for Ned that has like a traffic light symbol like on them. <laughs> like it's just like, like we uh, yeah, it, it's somewhere. fucking beautiful. 
beautiful. Doesn't have I the pom pom like the others. I think we spend too much time talking about why Lee doesn't get the film and not enough time why it's a good film. So I mm. think we should do more of that. But in what you're saying about the costume, there's been um, we go to a music festival back in the day before COVID every single year, and we've fingers been, crossed it'll happen again this year. Yeah, yeah maybe. we've been privileged <laughs> enough to observe some pretty fucking sweet group costumes. Yeah, mm. we've seen um, Jurassic Park. <laughs> we've seen um, and by Jurassic Park we mean people like, dressed up as all the characters, and then someone with a cardboard jeep cut out around <laughs> them with being chased by like a inflatable T Rex. An yeah. inflatable <laughs> T Rex, and then running off and leaving the T Rex to fend for themselves because yeah. their vision the ain't great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, their eyesight's based on movement. Yes. So. There was a Midsummer one year where all the people were oh, from yeah, Midsummer, yeah. Yep. and I remember. Um, a life aquatic group and yeah. I'm just like the team Zizu oh, team Zizu I'm like yes Claire you are hitting and they could gonna... find each other in the crowd at a festival hmm. we've got to move just look for the red beanies and you're yeah, yeah. We've, got to, we've got to move away from why Lee struggled with this film and more into why is this a good film and I agree Claire that the costumes no. aren't just cute mm-hmm. and aren't just whatever but they're, they're building that that loveliness that is the team aspect of them and they're so like I love Willem Dafoe in this film oh M- M- the MVP of the film is Willem Dafoe he's lovely as I said while we're watching it it's like if there was any if the Academy Awards actually were real <laughs> <laughs> Willem Dafoe would have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor because yeah, he just... is incredible and as you said Eric like he's never not giving 100% he is one oh, yeah, he is one hundred percent. Like Team every Team. moment, like when they hit the beach, he's the one um, who zips down his, um, <laughs> his and puts on the Team Tizu Bernie. No one else does that. <laughs> Running across the, the rocks, you know, he's in his little like. They've all got full wetsuits. He's got short wetsuits. Yeah. <laughs> um, what makes him so amazing as well is you just think it's weird Willem Dafoe. Yeah. For for so much of the film, like the confronting Ned on the dock and like the slap, and it's like that's a lot. It's like that's the last time you hit, you get a free shot at me, class. He's yes. like, not if I don't see you first. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, what are you? What? <laughs> what's, weird. The, what's going on here? Yeah. Who the shit is Kingsley Zizu? <laughs> just like weirdness throughout My the film. My favorite is um towards the end of Cross the Line, and I was confused oh, yeah. as an audience member. Yeah. Uh, wait, is it what is it? Cross the line if you're not. On no, my team. No, sorry. yeah, yeah, if you're not on my team. And he's like, I'm... But he crosses so proudly. And then he, like, backtracks beautifully. He's it's, like, oh, wait, oh, let, let's, oh. Do it, let's do it again. <laughs> but, but it's such a, like, it's so easily, like, oh, it's just a weird Willem Dafoe performance. But sprinkled throughout it is a wonderful arc and an understanding of that he lets slip, like... Why he loves Steve so much and why he's so jealous of Ned is because he never had a father and yeah. now he takes like this. See, is, it's beautiful. This is 100% <laughs> watching with you guys tonight. I would have missed that. Yeah. And then you've brought that up and it made me just enjoy that whole thing yeah. so much more. And he delivers what I honestly think is in like my top three line deliveries in a film of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm fucking serious. Right. Like we're, we're talking like Asta La Vista baby. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what is it? <laughs> this is the What's beginning of a line? beautiful friendship. Forget it. It's Chinatown. My, one of my favorite lines in cinema of all time is great. Thanks for not picking me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I did, like it's so great. Fucking like the commitment he delivers that line with oh, is he's so hurt. <laughs> it's mm. 
amazing. I don't want to be on the oh. B team. <laughs> but you're the B team leader. That is so something I would say to it's, a kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's just, like, you're we, the loser team leader. We, we, hit, we hit on it early on in the film, and I think it was the scene where after they're at the Adventurers Club, and it's the guys talking about how much of a creep Zizou is, <laughs> and he's out pouting, and he's just like... They say these things and it shouldn't hurt, but it hurts. It hurts bad. <laughs> and he takes out, as they call it, his gay little earring and he oh. throws it. But then Ned goes to pick it up and as soon as he steps up, he has his hand out to collect. Already. And Ready to go. you, Claire, uh, Claire and Lee, just being like primary school teachers, were like, they're like the kids. Okay. This is this, a film of children. Yeah. children. This, this is actually something I wrote and underlined. Um, they are legit children. Yeah. Their reactions, the main characters, all of the characters in all Wes Anderson films have these childlike reactions. They're stiff, they're all these things, but when they do react, often it's off camera and we don't see the tantrum, but we see the, I don't know what the word is. Consequence. The consequence. But also in that, uh, and it's moving on from the, the way that the acting is, a lot of the set design, and I'm sure you probably noticed this, is it's like a dollhouse. Yeah. All Wes Anderson films are like, it's like you're playing with dolls in a dollhouse. Yeah, he's playing with his stories and his characters, and he's creating these hyper-realities. And, and we move as characters, so Steve moves, he's talking, and he moves through the, the, the shot, the scene, the whatever... Is it Truffaut? What was the one that we watched for Criterion recently? It was like French New Wave, and it was uh, Godard, the one from oh, the fa- uh, the, through the fact the sausage factory oh. that was protested. Like, I'm yeah. loving this sausage factory. Yeah, stay here. Truffaut, asshole. Yeah. Anyway, um, yes, but I love Wes Anderson's dollhouse esqueness mm. to his films. He's creating his world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's creating his world, but it's he he's not like Lord of the Rings creating his world. He's he's creating a little he's yeah. he's conscious of his world being quite niche. Yeah. Which is why like yeah, I keep going back to it. it's like there's filmmakers that it's like I'm I'm playing in my sandbox. Sandbox. You're welcome to come and play or not. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but the, you know, yeah. If you don't get it, that's that's fine. <laughs> and I really like that you said that it's not that I don't get it, it's just that I don't connect yet. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And not even yet. It's one where like even on, on rewatches if you're like I don't care for this, it's like that's fine, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that's what makes me more sure in myself is that Claire does, you do, other people do on first watch. I love this. I'm just going to like point out that we're all like serious right now, but there's a cat. There's a cat in a basket <laughs> and she's on a like, bookshelf playing with toys fuck behind my podcast. head. <laughs> I'm going to play with this fucking What's up fancy pants? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, nom, nom, nom. Well, on that note, is there anything on this one? I mean, we've kind of We've been a bit all over the place, but, yeah. that, but that's fine for this type of film. Like, like we're innocent. No, just yeah. it's no. four of us. It's, <laughs> it's four of us. Um, I mean, only other one that I like uh, want to point out is Henry Selleck, uh, his beautiful stop motion animation of yes. the underwater sequences. Um, people Surreal would know, and beautiful. People would know him. He was the director of Nightmare Before Christmas and James oh. and the Giant Peach, and yeah. then would go on to direct Coraline and things like beautiful stop motion animator. Um, yeah, I love all the little. Um, 
Yeah, the little uh, the little seahorse. What's it called again? Uh, the crayon ponyfish. That's right. <laughs> and then there's the um, there's the rhinestone bluefin that they yeah. attach for bait, and then yeah. just all these weird little made up little sea creatures that just give you that magic and wonder of oceanography. <laughs> Silly cat. Shit the cat just threw shit, shit at my head. <laughs> Are you right? Look at this girl. She's going to she fuck fell. you up. Where did the Oh, my God. It's a catastrophe. She thinks, yeah. um, she thinks the basket attacked her. Or it didn't. She's a stupid. Um. Right? Oh, now you have Get to down. edit. Yeah. See, I found those things challenging. I was like, okay. Cool. Which things? The stop motion. Really? Just didn't you, you were just like this is a little too twee for me. It's a little too cutesy. Or no, it's not. I don't, I don't is it because it looks less realistic than some of the stuff you might see now? But the whole film is like we're in this heightened know, weird universe. Yeah, so, yeah. I love that you little yellow submarine. Well, Maybe I'm just a sauerkraut. Let's move. On. <laughs> um, anything else that we haven't kind of touched on with this one? I uh, mean, I've got a tagline, but. No, I was going to say anyone. To my, my, my thing. All right. Well, we'll get to that after taglines, tag possibly. First? Okay. Or, or trivia. We've got... We, oh. Trivia right, time let's first. let's go into trivia. Let's go into trivia. Uh, so the film was nominated for the Golden Bear at the 2005 Berlin Film Festival. Uh, it did not win. <laughs> at a $50 million budget, this was Wes Anderson's biggest budget movie, which failed to make money. It only earned back... 34.8 worldwide. Really? After Whoa. the Tenenbaums, it uh, bombed. Yeah, bombed. It got really scathing critical reviews where everyone called it smug, arrogant, and insipid. I could understand um, that. They're like with no likable characters. And it's like, well, that's the kind of point. But, but like, it's... It's an interesting one because like I said, I enjoyed it much more this second watch a couple of months later where I got the story yes. maybe the storytelling isn't good enough yeah um, that you get it on first watch and maybe that's why a lot of people didn't connect yeah and it has been noted that it is a film that um, has obviously over the years gone on to get a lot of cult appreciation and kind of yeah. been reconsidered there's a lot to like about it yeah this is yeah a lot of people really like myself included like love this one and it's been kind of reconsidered in the eyes of critics I guess um, I mean, we God, we never really brought up the fact that uh, this is the first uh, Wes Andersonville not co-written by Owen Wilson. Mm. Uh, it's the first time he has he's writing something with someone else. Uh, Noah Baumbach, who would then go on to do Squid and the Whale, Marriage Story, uh, Francis Ha, amazing filmmaker in his Doesn't own right. He, like, yeah. Have a cameo or something? Yeah, he plays Philip, uh, Michael Gambon's right hand man, silently standing behind him, which was weird. Love it. But that's, that's kind of what's interesting, whether or not that's kind of what's losing something, I guess. The fact that he doesn't have Owen Wilson there as his co-writer. Mm. Whether or not that's, you know, he's working with a different writer. And then the one after this, Darjeeling, he's working with uh, Roman Coppola and Jason Schwartzman as writers. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, you know, he's, this is, yeah, he's never worked with Owen Wilson post-Tenenbaums as a writer. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, it's interesting. Definitely write different scripts, obviously, so... Mm. Um, where am I at? Kate uh, Blanchett's character, uh, Wes Anderson, has admitted that the character's uh, name—the name—is inspired by Kate Winslet. I thought so. Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, what was her name? <laughs> her surname's Winslet. Ah. Um. Uh, Kate 
Kate Blanchett never rehearsed with the crew and had uh, not met most of the cast either before filming the nighttime uh, jellyfish scene on the beach where she first appears in the film to add spontaneity to the scene and make her feel a bit more like an outsider to the cast. Told you she didn't get the Wes Anderson memo. She's going a little method. Uh, I think we brought up the fact that the red woolen caps are a nod to uh, Jacques Cousteau Mm -hmm. and uh, his team. Um, ba, ba, ba. Sue George translated David Bowie's songs into Portuguese and arranged them for guitar by himself. Uh, David Bowie had no idea that any of this was happening, and then later in uh, later on, he heard it all and what Sue uh, Sweet George had done, and said, "If I had known that my so- I never knew that some of the songs that I'd written had such beauty to them." Yeah, which is yeah. Uh, just like, a rather high compliment. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. We, we definitely talked about the score-ish things, but we didn't talk about the soundtrack. And yeah. I was like, banger, another banger. Yeah, Sway George. I, I think banger. that's how you pronounce his name. It's S-E-U. So it's not Sue, it's, it's Sway, I think. Sway? Portu- I, don't know. I can't Portu- pronounce Portu- Portuguese. Um, but yeah, amazing soundtrack. I'm looking over at my record collection that's sitting there right at the top because I was listening to it today. I love, um, <laughs> we've also come to Claire's house, which is Chris and Claire's house, and uh, they've got the record propped up nicely while we walk in. Well, that was inspired by Eric and Tina, actually, like having oh, a little yeah. art easel to like pop your record in. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Which is inspired by a record store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we talked about how big the Belafonte set was, but the Jaguar Shark is one of the largest stop-motion puppets ever constructed. It measured eight feet in length and required five hand cr- hand crank controls for the swimming action. Seriously? Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Just to even, because I mean, for scale purposes, to give it that immensity, I I'm guess. Sure they would have built a miniature of everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess I, I'm, ass- I'm assuming Must they tried that and it just didn't it. quite yeah. kind of work. That's awesome. Um, during filming, Bill Murray uh, became a certified diver, logging over 40 hours in the water. Awesome. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, we're getting into real trivial trivia <laughs> now. <laughs> um, Alistair Hennessy, uh, Jeff Goldblum, who we didn't talk Jeff that Goldblum. much about. <laughs> but amazing Jeff Goldblum. Yep. Uh, he wears glasses inspired by Mark Mothersbaugh, the uh, composers, uh, the his custom-designed glasses of like the weird circle things. Oh, yes. They're based off of his glasses that he wears. And Michael Gambon's glasses were modelled after those of composer Ennio Morricone. Oh. So it's like, yeah, people who wear glasses, let's make it famous composers. I love, wow. like, you know, I'm that artistic that my characters in my film wear glasses. Inspired, Inspired by. Inspired by. Inspired by. Specific Fucking Ennio. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Wes Anderson has stated that the walking scene in the final credits is an homage to the Absolutely amazing film, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Okay. Uh, that is a film <laughs> where Peter Peter Weller, a.k.a. Robocop, plays a nuclear physicist astronaut rock star who fights aliens. Oh, that yeah. old common it's genre. amazing. And Jeff Goldblum is also in that movie as a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> John Lithgow is the alien villain. It's amazing. Wow. <laughs> I'm okay. in. Yeah, um, I'm in Wes Anderson's earlier movie Rushmore, there is a shot early in the film where Max Fisher is on his go kart, which is a direct homage to a Jacques Henri Latrique f- photograph. The man in the photograph, as well as most of the films done by Latrique, is named Zizou. Oh, <laughs> 
So there is like a connected Wes Anderson multiverse here, Not I guess. Not surprising. Yeah. Um, and just randomly, it came up in conversation while we were watching the film. Uh, the film has a body count of 26 people. <laughs> which is kind of surprising. It's quite high. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but on that note, have we all got a tagline for this one? Yeah, actually, did come up with yeah. one. All right. Who wants to kick it off? I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, mine is less of a tagline, but more like, you know those films where it's like a quote from the film? Yeah, but It's yeah. like a tagline? Yep. And mine is, Swamp Leeches! Everybody check for Swamp Leeches! <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else got hit? What the city? What's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> mine is also a quote. Okay. Mine is, Call Me Stevesy. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. I'm voting for yours, like, out of the two. Um, Mine, I kind of had two options. I think I'll go for, yeah. Uh, You find all sorts of strange creatures under the sea. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm yawning, but I was yawning before. Oh, no, tell me how you really feel. (laughs) Mine's a sort of a a combo of a tagline and alternate film title, I guess, and it's 40,000 Leagues Across the Sea with Stevesy and the Boys. Yeah. Love it. Love it. <laughs> uh, now would be the time in the episode where we ask, uh, would normally ask Claire what she thinks this film is about, but as we said, this is a film that Claire loves. She has seen many times. So what do you got for us, Claire? So instead, I decided, and I saved some of these screenshots on the 6th of January, so I've, I thought Ooh, ahead. Oh, you thought um, ahead. I, yeah, I really thought ahead. Mm. I must have gotten excited. Mm. Um I thought, let's find out what other people think of this film. Now, oh. maybe not people that... And now that we've got this word, that people are not working on the same wavelength. Yes. So it's not so that they don't get it. a few more leaves. A few it's, more leaves. They're, they're really... No, not even new. <laughs> Here we have some. Now, this is technically a DVD review. These ones are from Amazon. But they are specifically talking about the film. So we have one star from TM Tordle <laughs> Jr. <laughs> the, the, um, the heading is, it's not Groundhog Day. <laughs> then it says, wow. inane, typical, I should have known better. Say it again, say it. What was that? Inane, typical. I should have known better. Uh, okay, this film is one thing. It's not. There's one thing this film is not, and it's typical. Yeah, one hundred percent But I, um, I will agree, it's not ground on. It day. isn't. They got that part right. <laughs> yeah. um, then yeah. I've got one from Curator, also on Amazon. One star. Sorry is the title. <laughs> I was really looking forward to this film. Ended up falling asleep. Dot dot dot. The only reason I bought it was because a friend had lent me the DVD and my bulldog ate it. (laughs) 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 Dot, dot, dot. You made me laugh so much. I hated spending money on this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then... Right near that. I'm sorry, I farted. Right in her face. (laughs) I've got a long one here, but it's worth reading these because these are all great. Inquiring Minds says, another $5 down the drain should have given funds to a homeless person. This movie left... Okay. This movie yeah. left almost nothing good to say about it. Mediocre acting with excessive use of profanity was the worst kind. They moved wow. on from four-letter words which started with F 
on to using the G word, which was what's what the, the, the G word? Which is yeah. oh, God. Oh God, yeah. Which is awful. unacceptable for many reasons, too numerous to mention. All over it, it is a loser by any standard of measurement. Yeah. The cast selection was okay, just went nowhere fast. Kept holding out for an improvement, just never happened. Sorry for the overword use of the word just, but this movie was just a waste of money and time. P.S. Google Minds guy was rad. (laughs) You'll get get more out of your local weather report. It deserves a one star. I'm being overly kind here. Oh, by the way, this person gave two stars. Yeah. We need a new segment. It's like Claire Weed reads scathing reviews. reviews. Mm. Um, Then I went to uh, Letterboxd because I thought that I needed maybe some people that weren't just so angry about buying things because they pulled on a DVD. (laughs) That's my favourite one. Um, It made me We had three stars from Patrick Willems, who Chris says he actually watches on YouTube. I I adore. Patrick Willems. He's a wonderful uh, film video essayist on YouTube. If you've never seen his stuff, please go give Patrick H. Willems a follow on YouTube. His stuff's amazing. His quote is, here his review, one of the best movie boats ever. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um, This one, Chris mentioned a um, multiverse of Wes Anderson. Brendan O'Hare says, wish there'd been an Easter egg or two for us fans of the Wes Anderson oeuvre. Is that how I say the word? That is. Like a fish named after Royal Tenenbaum or a quick shot of Max Fisher floating in the wa- by the boat on a piece of driftwood. What? This I person's insane. With, I disagree with everything you just said. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Yeah, um, but Captain America didn't show up to punch. Followed, <laughs> followed by, and I'm sure that we should all follow this person on Letterboxd, this person is called Name of the Movie, and the one, oh, the yeah, half, the half star says they do not say the name of the movie in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guarantee you, that's amazing. That person's I, got my vote. I actually want to follow that account because yeah. I know what that account's going to be, and that's amazing. Yeah, I'm yeah. in. Um, and oh, um, one more. <laughs> No, that's. I'm just leaving it at that. Thank you, Claire. I, I've got to say that segment was enjoyable for all. Yes. Oh, so good. So but good. <laughs> I just. I feel for the poor dog that ate the DVD. That's yeah. gonna be hard. Uh, I hope it was tasty because it's gonna be rough on the way out. Yeah. And I was also like, well, if you were the dickhead that borrowed a DVD, buy it for your friend and don't watch it first. Just give them the new one. Oh, that's, that's tough, though, because this is one of the first films to go straight from cinema to Criterion. Uh, speaking of which, it is still in print from Criterion as a one-disc Blu-ray or a two-disc DVD, and it comes with a commentary by Wes Anderson and co-writer Noah Baumbach. This is, not, this is an adventure, a documentary by Antonio Ferreira, Albert Maisel of Grey Gardens and Gimme Shelter... Oh. Like fame as a direct a documentarian. And uh, Matthew Prinzing, chronicling the production of the movie. Mondo Mondo, an Italian talk <laughs> show featuring an interview <laughs> with Wes Anderson and Noah Baumbach, hosted by Antonio Mondo. <laughs> uh, new video I- uh, interview with composer and Devo member Mark Mothersbaugh. Ten complete video performances of David Bowie's songs in Portuguese by Brazilian recording artist and actor Sway George. Intern video journal by actor and real-life intern Matthew Gray Goobler. 
Uh, <laughs> multiple interviews with cast and crew with behind-the-scenes footage. Stars on set, behind-the-scenes feature, ten deleted scenes, behind-the-scenes photos, original artwork for the film, theatrical trailer, and the usual booklet missing the criterion usually do. And, and a set of steak knives. And steak knives. There's way too many, like... But anyway, uh, that it is... is not available to stream on the Criterion channel. <laughs> I just want to say before we wrap this episode up, I'm Chris. No, okay, I'm going to say I'm But I just want to say happy birthday, Criterion Quest. Yeah, thank... milestone. Yeah, thank you all that have been with us for 300 films now. Um, or a number. Or a number. Those recent people that have jumped on, uh, we yeah love having listeners, <laughs> like that, knowing you guys are out there, appreciating what we do, uh, coming on this insane journey with us. Uh, here's to the next, I don't know, how many, 900 oh, there's left to go. <laughs> we'll be in our 70s and be like, yeah. I'm Chris. Uh, and you'll still be like, no. <laughs> but on, on that note, I will say we've got a fucking run ahead of us. Yes. Uh, in a fort in a fortnight's time, we're gonna be back with our first Jane Campion film in the collection. What timing? Uh, an Angel yes. at My Table from 1990. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for this one. Uh, but yeah, uh, tune in in a fortnight's time for that. Uh, as always, you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com. Follow the Instagram account at criterionquest. Uh, we're on Patreon, yada, yada, yada. It's all in the episode description. You know the deal. It's fine. Uh, Eric, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> yes, Claire, Claire, thank you for, thank joining, you for joining us. us. <laughs> thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, loved having you guys on for this one. We'll come back soon and, you know, maybe we'll do a Coen Brothers podcast in the future. Yeah, I'm sure there's one in the collection at the very least. Oh, there's a few. Well, like back in the like eight, nine hundreds. Oh, yeah, I'll see you in like 40 years for that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess for this week's episode and episode 300. I'm Chris. And I'm Lee. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs>